Hey, y'all. I just wanted to come to you with a real quick message. I'm super excited because I'm starting a new podcast and it's going to be called Molly, You in Danger Girl. So we are going to talk about all things horror related. So horror short stories. We're going to give horror movie reviews because not only am I a murderino, I love horror. Who would have thought it? (laughs) Anyway, right now I just am compiling a couple episodes because I want to come out with a few episodes for you so you don't be like, girl, why you come out with one episode? What's that going to do for me? I got y'all. So in the meantime, make sure you follow me on Instagram and it's called Molly You're in Danger Podcast. But it's just the letters M-Y-I-D-G Podcast. One more time. That's M-Y-I-D-G Podcast. So get yourself ready. Get situated because we got some new shit coming and it's finna pop. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Hey y'all and welcome back to In Killing Color. This is episode number 34 and today we are going to talk about a case that I'm sure a lot of people are probably familiar with but I just want to talk about it anyway because I want to give my two cents on it because that's what I like to do. Give you two cents and if you don't like it you just don't like it. (laughs) So here for episode number 34 we're going to discuss Brittany Norwood and the Lululemon murder. If you know about it, get ready. If you don't know about it, you will know all about it by the end of this episode. Let's get to it. These are their stories. So this case definitely received a lot of media coverage. And like I said previously, it was referred to as the Lululemon murders because it took place in an actual Lululemon store. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with what Lululemon is, it is a athletics line that sells like leggings and really cute like workout gear that is founded in Canada back in 1998. And then by the early 2010s, the brand was like skyrocketing because everybody was like, girl, let me get them Lululemon leggings. First and foremost, them leggings is mad expensive, <laughs> mad expensive. And they don't even really be given like that. So it's like, I'm not. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that. But in March of 2011, that particular company made headlines for a completely different reason other than its amazing leggings. So this saga began on March the 12th, 2011 in Bethesda, Maryland. And now picture this kind of, it's like a nice little outside shopping mall. Everything has like really festive lights, pretty grass, you know, just very well kept, very bougie, very upper crust kind of. And that's where we're gonna take your mind to that. So the manager of the Lululemon store came there a little bit before 8 a.m. to open up the store. But she had no idea that she was going to be walking into something like she did. She just thought she was going to open her store for the day and that was it. But what actually she ran up on was something that was unexplainable. And it's like, girl, let me go back home. Cause why, what? No. So she went in, got her keys, 
went to open the door and the manager's name at the time was Rachel Ortelli. And she noticed that the door was already unlocked, which was kind of suspicious because it's like, I know I locked this door when I left. So she just assumed that somebody else had come in a little bit earlier and was going to get started on their job, which is normal, I guess. And, or somebody just forgot to lock it up that night. One of the two, she felt like it was just pretty much unexplainable. So Rachel went in, stepped inside and like immediately was like, oh, shit. She saw that the store lights were already on. And from what she could see, it looked like the store had basically been robbed. Like clothes was everywhere. Shit was all over the place. And she was just standing there like, girl, what is going on in this store? Did we get robbed? Oh, my God. So now she went into her phone and she called somebody who may have already been in the store that night before anybody that worked. Maybe somebody else, like she said, was already there. So she was calling all the employees trying to figure out what was going on. But then right when she was making a phone call, she heard some like moans coming from the back. And she was like, mm, what the fuck's happening? So she didn't know what to do. So she hightailed it right up out the store and called 911, as you should have. Now, while she was outside, she noticed an employee that was next door working at the Apple store and they were waiting, too. So she goes and tells him, which is a man named Ryan, she tells Ryan that she heard some like weird noises coming out of the back. And if he doesn't mind, will he go check for her just to make sure, you know, nobody was hurt or whatever? And Ryan was like, sure, I'll go in the store. Rachel waited outside. And then Ryan goes in, comes back out one minute later and yells, I think you need to call 911 because I believe somebody is dead. <laughs> okay. Ryan walked in and found a body laying face down on the ground. He then told her that there was another person in there who was tied up in a bathroom, barely breathing, and she looks like she may have been assaulted. So, yes, she called 911 and the police hightailed it down to the store. Now the, now the police went in the store and they went back towards the back and they noticed that it was a shit ton of blood all over the place, like everywhere. And then they found two sets of shoe prints that had blood on the bottom it was one small foot and one really big foot so once the police got towards the back they noticed the body of a 30 year old woman and an employee there whose name was Jana murray now she worked there and she was the one who closed the store the night before and then as they were looking the lady that was tied up was 28 year old Brittany norwood and her hands and feet were like zip tied and she was in the bathroom she had cuts all over her arms legs face and everything so they were like oh my god it must have been a robbery like it sounds just like the robbery so the police took Brittany to the hospital and once she got stable they asked her like hey we know you closed last night with Jana like do you remember what happened so Brittany told the police that the night before her and Jana were closing the store together and once they left Brittany remembered that hey I forgot my wallet let me go back so she called Jana and asked Jana to come back so she could unlock the door to get her wallet from the back. Brittany was kind of new there and Jana was a manager. So that's why she had keys and Brittany didn't. So, okay, so far, so good. The story is making sense. Now, she says that while they were inside the unlocked store, two men came in and they were masked. They attacked her and Jana and they proceeded to tie them up and sexually assault them both. Now, when Jana resisted and was like, uh, -uh not me. They began beating her and they eventually stabbed her to death. Brittany then told them that at this was the point where she realized, let me do what they say because I'm trying to save my own life, which makes perfect sense. 
She was beaten and she was cut with a knife, but she survived because she only had like superficial wounds. They tied her up in the bathroom and left her for dead. Okay. So then the police asked the hospital to do a medical examination on Brittany to see if they could find any DNA evidence or anything. And they left to start their investigation as they should. Now, initially, they classified the incident as like a robbery turned homicide and an attempted murder. And the police were like, okay, we need to find these two men because we need to find them. So then they decided to look into the background of both the people just to see if maybe, you know, somebody had something going on or somebody had some unsavory characters or something in their life that may have wanted to cause them harm because they seemingly didn't bother nobody. So let's get into Brittany's background a little bit because obviously this case is mainly about her. Now, Brittany was one of nine children. Um, her dad owned an upholstery business and they didn't have a lot. So the family like really stressed everybody working hard and getting education so they can better themselves in life. But by high school, Brittany, she was like a really good athlete and she was recruited to play at Stony Brook University on a scholarship for a soccer. So, okay, like Brittany was out here doing her thing. I ain't mad at it. So she started college in 2000 and she played until 2003. But in 2003, she was accused of stealing from people. She was accused of stealing from her teammates, classmates, and her roommates. Now, according to all these history and fact checking, stealing was a problem for Brittany. And a lot of people considered it as like a joke. Most people were saying, oh, that's just something that she does. One of her teammates was like, oh yeah, you know, that's what she did. Like one of her best friends in college, they fell out because she said Brittany was basically a klepto and she stole everything she could get her hands on. She would steal money from her friends. She would steal designer clothes from her friends. But then she also said that Brittany was really sweet and funny and she was a really good soccer player, but stealing was her only vice. Okay, um, stealing is a big vice. Like, I mean, everybody, like, well, I ain't gonna say everybody, but a lot of people steal shit. A lot of people have stolen shit, but not on the kleptomaniac level of stealing, because that's a whole new level. Now, further on into her education, her stealing just got to a level where it was a little bit too much. And eventually, all the people she stole from gathered together went to the school and reported her and she ended up getting expelled and she lost her scholarship so her stealing caused her to lose everything that was important to her in her life now once she got expelled from college she then moved to dc to live with her sister she ended up getting a job at the front desk of a really fancy hotel and she was quickly promoted to managing all the different vip guests now for her that was a really good job but Brittany really still wanted to be a soccer player. She really still had ambitions to do a little bit more. And she decided at that point that she wanted to become a personal trainer. So she left behind the hotel business and was like, I'm going to be a personal trainer. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Um, she started applying for different jobs at fitness studios in the area. And she ended up getting a job at Lululemon. Okay, get you a little discount on your workout clothes. It makes sense to me. So that's where that stops. And then this is where the new story begins. So one day after the murder took place, the police were able to track different leads and tips, but they couldn't find any like eyewitness accounts. 
And they say that because the perpetrators had entered through the unlocked doors that were left by the girls. So there was no evidence of a break in because the doors were unlocked. Meanwhile, all the public knew that there was an attack on two women. One was murdered and the other survived. But based on Brittany's report, police released a statement saying that they were looking for two men, one around six feet tall and the other around five feet, three inches tall. That's an important part. Five foot three inches tall. It's not a lot of men out here that are five feet three inches tall. There are some, but I'm sure it's less than what we're actually thinking. <laughs> now, this particular crime really unsettled the location where they were because they didn't get stuff like that around there. That was not the aesthetic of that area. Now, the store owners offered up a, like a huge reward of like $125,000 who could help and find the two men that did this. The community did a vigil one night and now they were just really trying to figure out what the fuck happened. And then the rumor mill started spinning. Tea starts getting spilled. Drama ensues. And Brittany, the survivor of the quote, quote, break-in, was charged and arrested with the first degree murder of Jaina. And everybody was gagged. They was like, wait, a lot? All right, so once the police did arrest Brittany, people started to trying to imagine like what the crime would have been like without two intruders. Now, maybe it just was Brittany and Jaina closing up the store when things just went arrived for some reason which people still didn't know at the time what happened but Jaina's family nor the community knew what was going on because the police kept all the details to themselves and the actual full details of what happened wouldn't even be released until Brittany's trial which was like seven months later now the store where the crime happened it was boarded up and it was closed while the trial was about to start it finally reopened in late 2011 and Jaina's family, the one who was unalived, attended the ceremony. At the entrance, there was a huge tribute to Jaina in a stained glass mosaic that said love. Now, in April, her parents told the media that they were really confused because the they said that Jaina never talked about Brittany and she didn't even really know the girl. And they weren't even really close enough for Jaina to even like pay her any attention. So it was like, girl... Jane didn't even know you like you was an employee like you was nobody important to her but I guess Brittany was like girl you know me if you don't you bought to <laughs> finally Brittany was charged with first degree premeditated murder and second degree specific intent to kill murder that's pretty tough i've never heard that second one i'm gonna have to look into that one a little bit second degree specific intent to kill which doesn't that also sound just like regular old first degree premeditated i feel like that's like an extra charge like y'all was doing a lot but anyway her trial was set to start on october the 26th of 2011 now like i said once the trial started that's when the everybody in the world started getting all these shocking details of what actually happened to Jaina. Now they had only been co-workers for three weeks at this location 
And I guess that's why they were like, girl, Janet didn't even know you because they'd only been working together for three weeks. So on March the 11th, when the incident took place, they worked the shift and they closed up the store and they were getting ready to leave. Now, according to witness statements, which I'm trying to figure out where they got witness statements from, because before they said they ain't had no eyewitness statements, but now you got witness statements. Okay. So according to witness statements, before she left, Jaina did a bag check on everybody, which was common because they know folk will steal. And she checked Britney's bag. And when she checked Britney's bag, Jaina found some yoga pants. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jaina found some yoga pants in Britney's bag, which was consistent with her history of stealing. Now, it was never clear if Jaina actually confronted Britney or if there was just like a, uh, so where do we go from here type of moment. Either way, Jaina knew that Britney, the new employee, had stolen from the store and Brittany called um, another sales associate and claimed that she left her wallet back in the store. And since they barely knew each other, Brittany didn't have Jana's number to get it from. So she had to call and get it from somebody else. So it's like when she initially said that she texted or called Jana, she didn't do that. She called somebody else to get the number to then call. So she said she called Jana, asked her to come back to the store to let her in. She can get her wallet, like I said earlier. Now, according to the prosecutors, this was the premeditated ruse to get her to come back to the store. So that's where the premeditation came from. Now, the day after the incident, uh, a detective named Deanna Mackey met with Brittany at the hospital. And at this point, she, like I said, she was still considered a victim. And they hoped that maybe some things they could get together. And they were like, OK, all right. So during this interview, Detective Mackey was like kind of shocked at the level of detail that Brittany gave about the masked intruder. Among these things, she said that he assaulted her with a clothes hanger from the store, which was why the crotch on her pants had been torn. But the hospital reported back and said that Brittany's medical examination revealed no evidence of sexual assault after she said that they were sexually assaulted. Now, this doesn't disapprove if there was actual rape, but it does give doubt to what she actually said in the first place about them being accosted and yeah, sexually assaulted or whatever she initially said. So on March the 16th, two days later, the police asked Brittany to come to the station to do some fingerprints, get some hair samples, just to eliminate her from actually being a suspect because that's what you're supposed to do. But what Brittany did not know was that the police found her DNA inside of Jana's car and that's where she ended up becoming a suspect. So the next day, Brittany's family called the cops and said that she had new details about the attack that she withheld because she was afraid that the people would come back. So the family called them. She went up there. So she said that the reason she, after the event happened, that she, why she just didn't get in her car and leave to go get help was because they saw her home address on her ID and she was scared that they would find her. Brittany also went on to say that while she was trying to leave or do whatever she was trying to do inside of Jaina's car, mind you, not her own, but in Jaina's car, she said that she passed the cop while she was moving the car, but didn't attempt to alert the officer. That's a red flag for sure. She said that she just parked the car and went back into the store. Girl, why you park the car and go back in the store after you were quote, quote, assaulted? And tied up. How you do that? What happened? 
So now the police is like, like I just said, girl, this is not making any sense. And once they told her it wasn't making sense, then she got mad and was like, fuck that. I want to go home. So at this point, the police finally confronted her with all the evidence they had collected. And over six days, they had been discovering all type of shit, murder weapons, all this forensic evidence, and everything just came to a head all at one time. And she was arrested. Now, this is the weird, wild, crazy part of all this. The police found eight different murder weapons that Brittany used to kill Jaina. Eight. Brittany was like, you gonna get up out of here because you're not about to tell nobody I stole these motherfucking yoga pants. I ain't using my work discount. I'm gonna get this shit for free. Brittany used a hammer, a wrench, box cutters, and a merchandise peg. All from what she got inside the store. And they basically said that Brittany was on a fucking rampage. It was like brutal. Jaina had 332 separate injuries, including 105 defense wounds. She was also hit in the head with a metal bar from a shelving rack, shattering her skull and breaking her spine. Can, can you imagine... You broke somebody's spine and shattered their skull all over some goddamn Lululemon yoga pants. Girl, you might well just took the firing from the job because she saw you steal the pants. Like, girl, you going to jet? 332 defense. Mm. <laughs> now, Brittany's injuries that she inflicted on herself were superficial and basically, they actually didn't correlate with the story that she gave the cops in the first place. Now, half of the bloody shoe prints did belong to Brittany. The shoe she was wearing and the other half size came from a 14 size like display shoe found in the store. That meant that Brittany had grabbed the shoe, dipped it in blood and moved it around the store to manufacture fake footprints. So Brittany was on her setup shit. She was like, let me get a shoe put some blood on it and walk it around so I can look like somebody was in here. But girl, your little ass foot was in the blood too. <laughs> so then she wrapped up her own feet and hands and stayed all night in the store beside Jaina's mutilated, discarded corpse to wait for somebody to find her. Now, during the whole trial, prosecutors showed jury all of this evidence, including phone calls and video footage of Brittany claiming not to know what type of car Jaina drove. But she was in Jaina's car, moving it before she beat herself up. Now, the evidence that they got was so just like, girl, <laughs> you are clocked, period. It was so overwhelming that she had to change her plea to self-defense so the trial was over the jury deliberated for a massive 21 minutes before they decided she was guilty <laughs> 21 minutes girl they knew you was guilty from the minute you stepped your foot in that fucking courtroom girl because there was no fucking way after lots of emotional you know statements from Jana's family and things like that 
they definitely was like, she does not need to ever get parole. She can never get out. And the judge was like, you right. So Brittany Norwood was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Now, I'm, never mind. I'm not going to rant yet, but I'm getting ready to. So let's fast forward to 2015. So four years after the event happened, Brittany contested her conviction using a new Maryland state law that guaranteed all defendants the right to appeal. Her um, lawyer said that Brittany didn't receive any Miranda rights early enough and was improperly questioned by detectives. But the court was like, girl, bye. They rejected the claim and kept the same conviction. They also rejected the defense's assertion saying that they got the improper testimony and any other like appeals that they put up. The court was like, no, because the evidence was way too overwhelming. Girl, we knew it. It's you. It's too much evidence. There's no way you cannot be. You can't. So at that point, all of her appeals and anything was cut to the bed. And ever since then, she's been relatively low key in jail. No appeals, no anything like that. And she's just uh, in there living her life sentence with no parole. Now it's time for me to hop on my soap box and talk about this. <laughs> you did all this for some yoga pants. Yoga pants. <laughs> I'm like, girl, did you want the pants that bad? Now, I know they probably expensive because Lululemon shit is mad expensive. They'd be like $70 for some leggings. But like, girl, you work there. I'm sure you got a discount. So you stole pants, got clocked, and came up with this elaborate scheme to kill the lady, get in her car, move it, come back in, beat yourself up, tie yourself up beside her, and act like you didn't do shit. That lady had 332 wounds. Her skull was crushed and her spine was broken. Brittany was mad. She was in a rage all over some leggings. The first time I heard this story, I was like, there's no way. It has to be something else. It has to be something else. But it's not. <laughs> All over some leggings. Some $59 Lululemon yoga groove pants. <laughs> Girl, you hate to see it. Your life ruined over some leggings. Your life ruined because you are a kleptomaniac by nature and you just can't help yourself. You lost your athletic scholarship to college because you stole from your friends. And now you lost your freedom because you stole some pants and murdered the person who clocked you stealing. You down bad, Brittany. You down bad. Now, I know a lot of y'all have heard this story before. So let's head over to Instagram or to my Discord channel and talk about it. I will put a link to all of my socials in my story notes. That way we can connect on all my pages because I have all type of stuff to talk to y'all. Sometimes I'm not as fast on Instagram, but I can be faster. I can be fast on Discord. We can talk straight up right then back and forth with no delay. We can have a immediate chat, but I will link you all at the bottom. So make sure you all follow me on every social media at InKillingColor. 
Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all that. Facebook too. And make sure you're listening to me on all platforms. Dystopia, which is my original network home. You can listen on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Podcasts as well. But make sure you're listening and make sure if you feel nice enough, leave a review. I like reviews, even the bad ones. I be wanting to cuss y'all out, but I can't do that because that's what you think. And I can't be mad at that. So I got some big news, but I can't tell y'all here. And I can't tell y'all till May the 1st. So when you see it, you're going to know. And if you was part of the Unalive tribe previously, you know we going to the top, baby. So I will talk to y'all next time. Bye.